Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Getaway Day. As always, I am Mason. On the far side of the screen over there is Gautham. And in the middle is a special guest tonight, Ashley Sanders. Ashley is, uh, let's see, a Twitch partner and MLB The Show creator. She's an engagement editor at Southside Sox, uh, which is the SB Nation White Sox blog. Um, so we're very happy to have you tonight, Ashley. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So we are uh, basically just going to chat about kind of everything that you know really well tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about Twitch. We're going to talk a little bit about the White Sox. But before we do, how are you guys both doing? I am doing great. Another uh, Wednesday, uh, another week of the lockout, I guess. But fantasy drafts and uh, minor league signings are getting me through, I guess. That's a good perspective to have. I'm I'm doing well as well. I just got through like the busiest half of the week and now I'm in like the smoothest part of the week. So we're just vibing, I guess you can say. Good deal. So you're ready for pre-Friday tomorrow and then Friday on Friday. Yes, exactly. I like it. Um, so uh, for anyone new to the podcast here, um, if you enjoy our podcast uh, tonight or um, any of our content on YouTube, uh, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting apps or on our YouTube channel to make sure that you don't miss out on any future episodes. Uh, make sure to let us know your uh, your thoughts on um, anything we talk about in the YouTube comments or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Or you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Getaway Day Pod on both of those uh, platforms. And we do also have a Discord server now. It is brand new as of last week. And there have not been anyone spamming it yet, so this is Packers fans' time to go and spam a bunch or spam a bunch of emotes. So, what do you say we get right into it? We have a couple of really softball questions for you first, mm-hmm. Ashley. Um, okay. So we would like you to uh, state your own name for us, even though we've done it a couple times. Uh, we want your favorite team, your favorite player, both all time and currently. And then hopefully Gautam's got a more difficult question that we don't already know the answers to. Oh, all right. I feel like this is the first day of school. We're doing icebreakers right now. But hello, I'm Ashley Sanders. Uh, My favorite team is the Chicago White Sox. My current favorite player is Lucas Giolito. And then my all-time favorite White Sox player is Minnie Minoso. As for my all-time favorite player across the league, I always flex with this answer. But today I'm going to go with uh, Ken Griffey Jr. All solid answers. Choice. Yes. All right. You got any other questions for Gabby? Um, nothing right now. Maybe something will come up as we go. Sounds All right. Good. So now that we've tossed you a couple of softball questions, now we're coming at you with the heat. We're Uh-oh. going Randy Johnson. Why don't the wear? Why don't the White Sox wear white socks? Well, they used to in their history of uniforms. I'm not sure when they made the switch. It was a couple of decades ago. Um, but that remains to be a mystery. You would think they might have a name change with the different socks, with the black socks, but maybe they didn't want to rekindle or re-spark uh, the black sock scandal in 1919. And, of yeah. course, they were called the black socks not because of the scandal, but because their uniforms were never washed. So they probably wanted a more cleanly outlook, I would say. That's fair. Although that's why they make the... Uh... Don't knock that over, baby. Uh, that's why they make the um, uh, sh- the cream color jerseys. I was going to say, that's what true. do they call that color? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Wasn't that because was that because Comiskey was so cheap? He didn't want to yes. wash the uniform. That's right. Yep, hundred yeah. percent correct. So he's the Jackie Moon of the uh, MLB owners. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, mm-hmm. trading the trading the washing machine for Monix. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so I guess a little bit of background here for anyone that doesn't know. So, uh, Ashley and I have, uh, become sort of internet friends over the last, uh, year and a half, roughly, um, over on her Twitch stream. Um, so for anyone on uh, that's listening, that doesn't really know you, you want to kind of just talk, uh, briefly about how you got into streaming and like what you stream. Yeah, absolutely. So I started streaming on May 8th, 2020. Now, it's a long story, but to make a long story short, obviously, um, that was a few months into the pandemic. I was at home learning, and uh, that was right around when my summer break started in college. I had just finished up my sophomore year, 
And uh, during that time of my sophomore year, uh, all throughout April, MLB The Show, Sony San Diego Studio, threw up a Players League tournament where each player from every third, from um, all 30 MLB teams was in this tournament, one of each team, I should say. And Lucas Giolito was the representative for the White Sox. He was in this tournament, and uh, he live-streamed all of his games. So that's how I figured out that there was an MLB The Show community to begin with. That's where I learned more about the game, because I was a huge Road to the Show uh, player prior to that. And uh, as you prefaced, I'm a writer and an engagement editor at Southside Sox. So I talked to my boss. I was like, hey, there's no new baseball content to discuss. Can I keep track of these Lucas Giolito uh, Twitch streams and kind of write them up as I would any a normal game report? And he was like, yeah, go for it. So I watched his streams, wrote reports. Um, it caught a little bit of traction. SDS uh, saw those and they had reached out to me and they're like, hey, Thank you for following along. We appreciate your enthusiasm. Here's a, a digital deluxe edition of MLB The Show 20. So I was like, holy cow, thank you. That's very generous of you. School had just ended. That tournament had wrapped up. And I'm like, I'm at home. I have a TV. I have a PlayStation. I have a headset. I have my brother's PlayStation 4 webcam. I'm like, why not go live and take advantage of a seriously crummy uh, situation? And ever since the stream has skyrocketed in in support and influence and it's been such an incredible ride yeah it's i i definitely get that feeling that's honestly kind of how this came to be too is we just kind of sat there and just kept talking about stuff and it's like you start getting to the point where you're like maybe we should start recording things we say right and then it's like well we might as well if we're gonna record it put it out there for people to watch mm -hmm. but no that that's a really cool way to get into um uh it's not a hobby that's not the right word for it um you know what i mean though um, yeah i mean it's, it's become a job and who knows about a possible career yeah so um oh shoot i had a question well, I, I got a question for both of you um what was the first mlb the show you guys played Ooh. host goes first uh, so you should know, cause you and I bought it together and we're playing it in our apartment there after we both graduated in 2018. So our first one was, uh, the show 18. We actually got it the week before black Friday. So right at the end of the cycle. So all the content had already been out and we sat there and we're just trying to grind the legend programs. And those were impossible, especially if you didn't start early. Cause you had to collect like a bunch of hats, a bunch of, um, I think hats, jerseys, and something else separately. And you had to have like a hundred of them each to exchange for each guy. It, it was a Babe Ruth program. Impossible. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Utterly impossible. I, so the first we ended up, go ahead. I was going to say, didn't we end up getting one or one or two of the legends though? Like we got, we Albert, may have gotten one or two. Yeah. Hey, there we go. So, huh. but the first MLB, the show I actually played was MLB, the show 2008 with ryan howard on the cover so he was just revealed as being mm -hmm. back in the game this year today yep so cool. that'll be fun mm -hmm. we'll we'll have to get you a console and then we'll we'll play <laughs> there you go i i feel you all I'm, i i came about the game very similarly it was in 2018 albeit august 2018 but i did not pick up mlb the show 18 i actually picked up mlb the show 17 it was like $10, $15 at GameStop when I was there, and they had like the steel case cover with Griffey Jr. on it. So, you know, uh, full circling from the beginning of this podcast. So I was like, yes, I want this. I want to play it. And then that is exactly what I played until I received MLB The Show 20. I just did Road to the Show, and I really want to revisit it because I just want to see all of the stats I put up because, let's be real, I used directional hitting. Hitting, it was on rookie difficulty. I would have more than or close to 100 home runs a season. Admittedly, that's still how I play. I, I pretty much <laughs> grind Conquest nonstop. I just mm -hmm. wait till there's a new map, go and do it, and then I play Fortnite there until there's another new map. But mm. yeah. Um, so your stream, though, in the last, uh, let's see, you said March 8th of 2020? May 8th. May 8th. So in that uh, going on... What would that be almost 20 months, 18 months? Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, I guess it'd be 20. Uh, yeah. So in that 20 months, your stream has grown a ton. Like mm -hmm. I remember watching whenever you had like maybe 20, 25 people in there at a time. 
and now it's like every time I go in there, you're at like 160, 180 people. Mm -hmm. uh, seeing that growth, have you kind of seen um, the uh, a demographic change in people's attitude towards baseball change just as kind of streaming MLB The Show has gotten more popular? Oh, absolutely. I, I take great pride in knowing and acknowledging that I have one of the most, if not the most, uh, chat diversity when it comes to people's backgrounds and all the different ways uh, they each identify uh, that might be different from the next member in chat. And I think because of that, and then of course because myself, I mean, let's be real, I, I am the leading lady, um, if you will, a little pun if you're familiar with that musical, uh, in the show community. So I take a lot of pride, I take a lot of responsibility of making sure I'm holding myself to a big standard that I typically do in my day-to-day -day life, and then truly representing what it means to be a fan of this sport regardless of how you necessarily might identify. I mean, obviously I get messages literally every single day of, oh my goodness, this is me putting it politely. Um, a woman is playing this game. And it really just makes you sigh and think like it's 2022 now. Um, I wish people didn't have to see this, but I think representation truly matters and it should not and hopefully will not stop at me. Like, for example, I'm a white woman. We need to see people of color um, in Twitch, especially women of color. So I'm I'm really hoping to help grow that audience, whatever influence and maybe persuasion and positivity that people can get out of my stream to hopefully grow or stream themselves. Um, so I do take that with a... Uh, uh, deep pride and great pride. And uh, every time I go live, I always have that in the back of my head, like what can I do to make sure we're shown in a light uh, that we have earned and deserve to be shown in? I mean, it was wild when I was a part of the Content Creators League back in August of 2020. So I had just been streaming for a couple of months. Um, there were several streams where I was averaging a thousand viewers. So there was always a lot of eyes on me and there have been um, ever since uh, May 8th, 2020. It was pretty wild because mo every stream never declined in viewership. I was either at the same average as the previous stream or growing by a couple of people. At the same average, growing a couple of people. So there have always been eyes, and I, I do believe that is a factor into seeing someone who looks a little different, but still knows her stuff, and provides entertainment, provides a nice, safe, inclusive atmosphere. And I do believe all of that attracts an audience of, of inclusiveness, and wanting to talk about baseball, attracting that passion, and, uh, I, I will never get over or truly fathom how much I respect that, how much I appreciate that, and then how much I uphold that and make that my personal responsibility to acknowledge and approve upon um, in not just the MLB The Show community, but the Twitch community in general. Yeah, as um, someone who's just in your chat, something mm -hmm. that I've always found really cool is uh, people come in there even if they don't really like baseball mm -hmm. and yeah. they just feel comfortable in your community. And that's awesome. Yes. Just seeing people that come in and they're talking about uh, football, racing, basketball, mm -hmm. uh, just kind of whatever's happening at home. And that's that's really cool to see that people are coming in and then they're still being introduced to baseball and starting mm -hmm. to see that. And um, it it's fantastic, not only from just a, uh, during a pandemic, trying to feel connected to people and finding people that. um that you kind of uh, can connect with and kind of uh, develop more of a friendship with, but also just from MLB's standpoint and just mm -hmm. baseball in general, it's fantastic because that's exactly what they've been trying to and failing to do for mm -hmm. what, 35, 40 years. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It is really, really cool. Those are definitely very special comments of one they never even were into baseball and now they've inspired to get into baseball or they used to play MLB The Show, they used to watch games, and now they're going to continue that in their everyday habit. Of course, hopefully they'll have games to watch in a couple of weeks, but who knows on that end. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's going to be a bit of a pain. I, yeah. I think there's a, an announcement being made tomorrow that spring training is being delayed. Yeah. So that's... Uh, that was leaked out there tonight and it, that's just spring training right now, but there's so much animosity right now between, well, I, right now, literally the entire time that I've been born. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was born right after the, the strike, basically, um, within that year. And I don't think there's been a single time that the owners and the players have ever agreed on anything. And so, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. Absolutely. They're going to have to start agreeing, hopefully. Or at least agreeing to disagree and then meeting somewhere in the middle. Yes, precisely. So, mutual hatred of the CBA is acceptable. That's yeah. fine. But. Yeah. But yeah, so and then um, so last week, uh, MLB uh, failed to present their counter proposal and then asked for a federal mediator to which the players struck it down. But then uh, it looks like now the secretary of labor is trying to get involved in a less um, uh, less official role and kind of acting in the same way. But I'm really curious to see how this is going to go, because at some point, like uh, I'm, I side with the players here in this case, like they've been screwed since, uh, well, basically screwed since 95 Manfred was the lead guy in charge there. And then every CBA after that, including 2011 and 2016 have just gotten increasingly towards the owners. Mm Mm-hmm. There's only a handful of billionaires in the world that I think are actually good people. So we're siding with the players here. Oh, yeah. It's really it's, it's difficult to side with the owners, really. I mean, it's been 16 days since the last owner's proposal. Mm-hmm. And in that time, the player's side has proposed two, two new proposals. Um, and then it's at this point, it's, it's hard to see that MLB is really trying to push this forward. They, don't, they clearly do not care about missing games they're going to wait for an outcome that's suitable for them only yeah especially when what it took six weeks until the first meeting since they locked the players out which is by far ridiculous in my opinion yeah and now we're going on uh let's see two months and what two months and a week to the day um but yeah it's and at some point, like, you could make the argument that, well, the players aren't um, giving up enough in their, their, new, um, their new proposals. But until the owners make any kind of counterproposal, mm-hmm. I honestly don't think the players should be backing off on anything. Like, and it's they actually not- have, they have backed off, though. On, on each proposal they've mm-hmm. given, they've given up more and more. So Yeah. Yeah. But, like, people are mad at the players for turning down the, the mediator, but, like, They've proposed two or three different uh, proposals that are negotiating against themselves. And the owners are just waiting, honestly, probably laughing. Dick Monfort's the. How is he the chair of the owners committee? How? That's a great question. <laughs> that, yep, that is. Oh, my goodness. I. I feel so bad for that franchise. Mm-hmm. Gotham, how do I go into tear against the Rockies every episode? How does this happen? It's, always, it's just always <laughs> top of mind, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, I should not talk about the Rockies. It's just going to get me angry. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But no, and him and uh, Manfred just, I, I don't know. It seems like I kind of wonder if they're talking to the other owners because like surely not all of the 30 owners. Mm-hmm want to give up games. I mean, they talk about how they're trying to get it better so that the small market teams can compete. Mm -hmm. Well, the small market teams, if that's your argument, they wouldn't want to miss games, but the profit sharing kind of makes it so it doesn't matter to them either. So. Yeah. Yeah, If you go back to what they were saying during the pandemic shortened season, they were saying, Hey, we've suffered biblical losses here. Uh, We can't afford to miss any games. And now they're, they're basically invalidating everything they said back back then. Let's see, has there been anything else in the in the lockout that's happened here in the last week? It's all I had in my notes, but I feel like surely there's something. Ooh, the Scherzer tweets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have those pulled up by chance, Gotham? I do not. Yeah, I I uh, saw you got a little bit passionate about that on Twitter the other day. I mean. It's great that the players now have the platform. People have been talking about that a lot, how they're able to actually 
voice their um, thoughts on the, the negotiations and everything. That wasn't really uh, an ability, uh, ability that the players had in the past. And, and Scherzer really does a good job. I don't know if you have that tweet yet, but he yeah, sort of summarizes st- all the, the very important key issues that they're looking for. Yeah, it's a quote. We want a system where uh, threshold and penalties don't function as caps, allows younger players to realize more of their market value, makes service time manipulation a thing of the past, and eliminate tanking as a winning strategy. End quote. Yeah, it's very succinct, and yeah. it's it's not a lot to ask, really. It, it doesn't seem like a lot to ask for me. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, it's short, sweet, to the point. It's everything that they want and it's like here owners this is what you have and the thing is like we mentioned twice in the players proposals they've taken back a little bit to try and meet the owners somewhere in the middle and the owners are like nah 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 nah, we're not budging and i think those are totally fair asks from scherzer of course representing uh the mlbpa and it's just quite ridiculous that you can't even meet that minimum um coming from the owner's side yeah the the thing that uh, kind of makes it even more um, kind of shocking to me, just seeing that from Scherzer, is he doesn't tweet ever. Yeah. Uh, three tweets before that from Max Scherzer, June 15th, 2020, Rob Manfred and the owners are walking back their word again. The fans do not deserve this, so I'll say it one more time. Tell us when and where. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels applicable right now. Yeah. Tell us when and where we're going to negotiate and get this thing hammered out. And get this back for the fans. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you. Well, I do know. Uh, I, I could assume. But for Gautham and I, this is kind of like what we do. Yeah. Like, uh, throughout the day, we sit there and text each other about uh, different things happening. Or uh, he's trying to drag me into fantasy baseball, which I'm very excited about. We're, he's getting me into, the like, the big leagues. So, Ooh. yeah. It's going to be fun. But, yeah, yeah, like, at some point, there's not anything else to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's like Yilmer Sanchez going to the Red Sox minor leagues is the biggest thing today. As like, it I love, should, I love as it, should be. <laughs> it should be, but it should be because it's awesome and not because it's the only thing that happened. Of course. Of course. So. Yeah. Yeah. It is, and yeah. Just to, just to take a, you know, 10,000 foot look at this whole thing. So it seems like everything that's going on within the game, really not great for the sport, but then externally, We've got the Twitch. We've got more and more people playing fantasy baseball than ever before. There's so much interest in the game, yet the league themselves is not realizing it, or they don't they don't act on it at all. In yeah, to stem, yeah, to stem off of that, I mean, like we have Shohei Otani who just did something that we haven't seen since Babe Ruth, and he arguably didn't did it more. He did it more entertaining than Ruth. Ruth, maybe a little bit better. I know that might be a little bit of a controversy. But you have an incredibly hyped up two-way player, not to mention all the other superstars that each team has. And you're not even going to see him and the others play until who knows when. Like, there's so much hype around him. Of course, you know, MLB The Show 22 cover athlete. And it's like, when are we going to see him in real life now? You know, he's in his prime, if you will, when he's going to be able to be a two-way player. Eventually, um, I would at least predict he's probably going to have to give up one or the other. I would assume he would give up pitching. But like, I want to ride this train for as far as it will go. And who knows how many games left we have of that, let alone a season. Yeah, yeah in my opinion, and- he, uh, his season could be uh, considered underrated. I mean, I yeah. feel like it's not getting talked about enough. It's one of the greatest sports seasons in any sport ever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's You can't just, capitalize on that. Like, what are you doing, really? Right? In, in every, every uh, group that they partner with and they license to, has figured it out. Tops mm-hmm. has him as both card number one and the cover of, uh, of Series 1. Yep. Uh, uh, SDS has him is both cover athletes, the MVP edition, which is usually the collectors and the uh, regular. And they've got it figured out. They know how to market the game and grow it. And these 30 old men in a room and Rob Manfred. So I guess 31 old men in a room mm-hmm. don't realize that they're sitting on a golden goose. Yeah. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it is 
beyond frustrating. I, I've been seeing some tweets of, you know, put people who actually like baseball in charge. And to be honest, they're not wrong. You, you, it's a clear argument that Manfred and these owners aren't as big of baseball fans. I mean, obviously, of course, they're businessmen. They They want the most bang for the buck, I guess you can say. But it's more than that. And if you really want that bang for the buck, you'll make sure baseball games start on March 31st and Shohei Otani will be that Angels opening day starter. Yeah. Okay. So let's put a petition together to get uh, Steve Cohen is yeah. the chair for the owners. Cause I think that man, he's got so much money. He oh. just wants his team on the field. Yeah. I think he would go sit down and negotiate an actual fair deal, but I think yeah. it's the 29 other owners that don't want him to, but yeah. Yeah. It's a very short-sighted approach by the owners for mm-hmm. being as smart as they are and being businessmen and everything like the best thing for their business is for the game of baseball to be successful and uh, just the best it can possibly be. It, it doesn't really make sense to just hold out for uh, marginal profit increases over the health of the sport. Yeah, I would agree. Yep. Although something that I just thought about, though, if we don't have baseball again or MLB again because it gets delayed through all this, we will get the KBO again, probably on ESPN. So <laughs> KBO is good stuff, man. I know. I was so really fun. into that in 2020. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, you were getting up like really early for some of those games, weren't you? Yeah, I would get up for work and I'd be watching a KBO game while I worked in the morning. It was <laughs> great. I mean, baseball, right? When you wake up, you can't beat that. No, not at all. Yeah, that's that's like the one good thing about like... Uh, well, like when the NFL goes and plays in London and uh, when they're going to go play in Germany, it's like you get it early in the day. Mm-hmm. The uh, the London series um, for MLB is kind of that same thing, but you only get it like one time for three games. And But I, I wish that they would just start baseball at 9 a.m. and then have it go until like midnight. Lucas Giolito would not like that. No. I can tell you that. That's, he'll take uh, the midnight yeah. shift. That game I mean, in Chris, Boston. Wow. Chris Sale wouldn't like the, the uniforms that they make him wear for it either. No. He'd just cut yeah. those up. Scissors. No. <laughs> God, that was the, was that the white with the blue and red stripe? Was it that jersey? No, no, no. It was, uh, it was yeah. like, a, wasn't it like a, one of those black, like, uh, black jerseys, like some sort of throwback kind of thing. Yeah. They were like an oversized blue, blue jersey and they had like okay. these big colors i forgot which era they were representing um but they're almost like pajamas i guess you can say with how oversized the jersey and the uniform pants were and i'm really upset because i had wanted to go to that game because they were also giving away that jersey as a giveaway and i was like oh chris is pitching it's a giveaway let's go and then we ended up not going to the game and then before you know it, it's, yeah, Chris Sale is no longer the starter. They're no longer using these uniforms. They're kind of in shreds right now. Which, by the way, Sale had mentioned he was going to do, like, some charity project with the scraps of uniforms. To my knowledge, he hasn't. And I want to know where <laughs> these uniform scraps are. And if they're in the garbage, I'll be darned. Well, I mean, he kind of got traded before it happened, so he might not do anything now. That's but... true. That's true. Shoot, who was that trade? Like, who came back to the White Sox in that? Michael, Michael Kopech. Oh, that was Kopech? Yeah. yeah. Okay. God, that feels like forever ago. That mm-hmm. that really probably wasn't that long ago, was it? I was... Uh, no. 2016. Yeah, 16. Yeah, because I saw <sighs> the very last game of the 2016 season, Chris Sale started, and I was in attendance. So it was very bittersweet because you kind of knew where they were heading in the rebuild mode that that uh, was going to be Sale's last White Sox start. Yeah. yeah, I definitely remember when that trade broke. I think we were eating lunch, Mason, and we mm-hmm. just saw that come through and we were like shocked. Yeah, but obviously a huge major trade and it kind of worked mm-hmm. out for both sides, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, Boston got their ring and then now Kopech should be transitioning to a starter. And then Yohan Moncada, unfortunately, um, was on the down a little bit in 2021. I, I still and then have hope. I, I do, too. I do, too. Um, still a good player, of course. Yeah. yeah. He was, he was affected by COVID in 2020, which is always tough to see whether you're an athlete or not. 2021 kind of got back, kind of de- uh, regressed, kind of got back, kind of regressed. So I'm really looking forward to a more even-keeled, at least, if not super above-average season for Yo-Yo, because he's absolutely capable of putting it together. 
Well, and he's one of those guys that like, didn't he set the record for strikeouts in a season one year as a hitter? He did. Um, it's possible. But yeah. Then, but then he definitely corrected course and he improved a lot. And he had that one season where it looked like he was just going to the moon, like he was going to be a superstar. And then mm-hmm. obviously 2020 happened and that kind of derailed him. But yeah. Yeah, factor that I remember the factor that led to the strikeouts is especially on borderline calls where it was an, at least an O2 count, O2 strike counts is he for the most part obviously of course had a lot of swings and misses but for the ones that were called strikes he just let it into the umpire's hands. It's like for those borderline calls sometimes you have to control your own destiny and, and try your best to follow that off and we saw that um in the 2019 season and then of course um, 2020 and 2021 happened. So because of 2019, we know he's capable of doing something with those two strike counts and not letting the at-bat even get to those two strike counts. And of course, controlling his destiny more at the plate instead of leaving it into now retired Joe West's hands. <laughs> yeah. And Angel and Bill Welke and yeah. Phil Cuzzy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, maybe we get robot umps in the majors here in the next couple of years. I think they're in AAA this year for yes. 2022. Mm-hmm. So it's what, probably a year or two away then? That's possible. At least give them like an iPad with a strike zone to help their judgment. Yeah, because I, I was watching something today. Um, trying to think who it was. Uh, but they were basically going through the baseball savant, and you can go and look at like uh, – um, strike or like different pitches in different areas of the zone, according to the um, kind of average strike zone and guys like Aaron judge are um, getting a lot of borderline calls there that are actually at his ankles because he's so freaking tall. Yeah. And so you have, and then you have Mookie um, having things the other way because he's so short. So like they're calling things up at his head strikes and it's like, Mm -hmm. uh, so it'd be really nice to see if they can get something, even if it's not, fully um robotic but yeah i think there should always be a human element in the game so that's why i have like no problem with like giving them the technology to do their job as well as possible while of course still having that human element yeah even if it's like they set the little bars for the top and bottom on their ipad for each guy Mm -hmm. but it's that way it if they can fat finger it and mess up and it's still their fault and they ruin the game but it's still in their hands, technically. Mm-hmm. So, and literally in their hands. Yeah. Um, so I think this is a, a good uh, transition into talking a little bit about the current White Sox now, though, um, outside of uh, Mankata, which oh, yeah. I, I did have a th- uh, random thought just a minute mm-hmm. ago. Uh, personally, I would like to see Mankata get traded to the Braves. You guys can get Riley back, but only, only because, only because then I could say Acuna Mankata. Uh, and then yeah. sing Hakuna Matata. Um, so it's a very selfish reason, but I would like to see that. You know what? So. I propose a counter proposal where the White Sox get Acuna on the squad oh, for Acuna Moncada. You know, we, we need someone in right field. If, if Acuna wants to be in center, he can, but I think he uh, would be fine in that right field uh, that the White Sox really need to fill. That'd be fun, yeah. yeah. Right? That's actually... Hmm. Yeah, that saying. makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Although, are you telling me that you wouldn't want Austin Riley at third? I mean, we were just hyping up Yo-Yo Moncada, so I don't want to be, you know, contradictory here. I, you can like two players. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Can Austin, you know, transition to second? Because when we had Yo-Yo there, it wasn't a very smooth second, so Moncada stays at third. Yeah, let's talk about second base, actually. That's a great spot there. So, Mm -hmm. obviously, 2021, White Sox traded Nick Madrigal to the Cubs. I'm a Cubs fan. And they they received Craig Kimbrell, and he, you know, had some struggles with the Sox. But the big big thing about that trade is that they lost their second baseman who looked like he was going to be a starting player for a long time for the White Sox. Now they've got... Leury Garcia penciled in at second base. He signed an extension this offseason for three years. So it seems like they're going to go with him. 
but I kind of see him being a better kind of like utility man can play the infield and the outfield. Second base seems like a, one of the few holes that the White Sox have in their lineup. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, first, I, for some reason, did not know you were a Cubs fan, so now I'm a little salty. But I'm pretty sure I told you that. I'm pretty I'll, sure you probably did. I'll, no, I feel like I would have remembered this. I'll, I'll give you his uh, Twitch handle so you could just uh, prematurely ban him from your chat. <laughs> that, would, that would help. Thank you. Uh, yeah. But no, I, you are 100% correct. Um, with Enigmatical Magical Trade, I liked it, though, especially given how Kimbrell has done in his career in the closing situation. Obviously, of course, performing mostly in the eighth inning for the White Sox, which, of course, bring in some debate uh, where Kimbrell's a ninth inning guy, where Liam Hendricks is jacked, whether he's coming in in the second inning, which I don't think he's ever pitched in the second inning in his career. But usually anywhere between the sixth or ninth inning, Liam Hendricks is going to be good. He's going to be solid. Um, so that, of course, presents a hole at second base with the star second baseman that we had just drafted uh, in 2019. But uh, I guess with Leary Garcia, I agree. Uh, he should be a utility role. If he's your starting second baseman, there's definitely a little bit of a kind of feeling. Um, he is perfect for the utility role. He can play anywhere in the infield, anywhere in the outfield, basically any position besides catcher. I believe he does have a relief appearance. Uh, in his career. But I guess my dream acquisition, I guess, or if you even want to call it a dream acquisition, I think a reasonable acquisition, um, though it would have to be within the AL Central, so we'll see what happens, is Whit Merrifield. Uh, he can play second base. Obviously, the Royals have stuck him in the outfield, um, especially for the majority of the 2021 season, even though he is um, a primary second baseman. Uh, obviously, a right-handed bat. Uh, we are pretty right-handed heavy, but with his defense, with his ability to get on base and his high contact, and of course, Nick Madrigal, you would suspect um, eventually in his career, he would be batting leadoff because of Madrigal's own ability, at least in college, um, to get a lot of high contact. Like Whit Mirafield is kind of the perfect guy to replace a Nick Madrigal, but I'm not really sure what the... Feasibility is going to be, if anything, I do believe the White Sox are going to fill in the right fielder hole uh, before or even if they decide to fill in the second base role, if they do give Leary the go ahead and be the starting second baseman. So two more thoughts on um, Wit there, because I actually yeah. really like that uh, that move, uh, right? if it could happen, because mm -hmm. Wit also is sneaky quick. Yeah. And um, so you're not really missing out on stolen bases that mm -hmm. Madrigal might have because he's Madrigal's quick, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Yes. He is. Yeah. So you're getting a little bit of replacement there. Leury, if I remember right, has the speed of a snail. Not Yasmani slow. I mean, he he hustles. And and I think that's nobody's helpful. Yasmani slow. That, he can run a little bit, but yeah. when you're talking about Whit Merrifield, he's one of the best uh, stolen mm -hmm. base threats in the major leagues right now. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that you get with Whit Merrifield is he's the Cal Ripken Jr. of the 2020s. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you have an everyday second baseman, mm -hmm. whereas Larry, ideally, you would platoon him at a minimum. Yes. And Whit basically fills that hole perfectly. Mm -hmm. Quick but. trivia question: How many games has uh, Whit Merrifield missed in the last four seasons? I think just one. Definitely less than five. Mason? Oh, you asked me this a couple weeks ago. Um, I don't think I did, but... Yeah, because we were talking we were about the last, about the it, last but... three seasons that he hasn't missed. In, or He didn't miss any in 21. He didn't miss mm -hmm. any in the short season. He either played 161 or 162 in 19. I'm going to say he's missed three games. Ashley was right. One game, and it was in 2018. Let's go. I knew it was one. Yeah. <laughs> I should have stuck with my gut that he played them all in 2019. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh. Disappointed in myself. Yeah. You know, White Sox fans, we call him two hit wit because every single game he is going to get two hits against us. So if we can just eliminate that from our opponent, use it for our advantage. I would really appreciate it. Yeah. And that would give... Uh another very contacty middle infield to rival the Angels and the, the Cubs, I guess. Yeah. So the other thought that I had, because um, Witt's what, 32 or 3? 
Yeah. Yeah. So who's I guess who would be next up after him? Because you would have to assume that within the next couple of years, he's going to regress. And the White Sox do have Yolbert Sanchez, who's going to mm-hmm. start uh, Yolmer's little brother. Uh, who's going to be starting at AAA this year for the, uh, his first crack there. He doesn't have that high of prospect grades. Like he grades out as a 40 overall, mm-hmm. but would he be, I, I guess the next guy in line. Um, if everything just kind of goes with the roster, the way it is. Yeah. So I was checking what Merrifield is 33. I do think Gilbert Sanchez is an interesting case, and I do think his success in the triple in AAA will kind of dictate possibly what he does. Um, no doubt, of course, he should get a chance at second base, especially because Nick Mer- Nick Madrigal is no longer in the picture. Even if Nick Madrigal was in the picture, of course, you need somebody to platoon. Leary Garcia with that three-year contract uh, kind of gives that time frame. So in a sense, whether you think Leary is going to be the everyday second baseman or just the, the platoon guy who maybe Yolbert is going to replace in a couple of years, um, that does give you time, of course, in the draft to do something. Unfortunately, as we know, they used to be very good in the farm system. The White Sox now have one of the worst farm systems. So they're, they're in win now mode, and then they kind of possibly have to start over in a couple of the years, kind of like how we're seeing the Cubs doing currently. But um, I think there's going to be a lot of what's going to go on in the draft. And then, of course, uh, see what can happen trade-wise with second baseman because there's not many free agent second baseman that are at least going to give you average quality at second base, if not a little bit above average quality. So I think it's going to really dictate on who they possibly trade for and then what they can possibly find in the draft. And then hope Yolbert Sanchez or maybe somebody else in the minor league system will just show up and show out and play a fantastic second base and force his way onto the White Sox scene. Yeah. Um, one other proposal. Uh, so I know, Ashley, you and I have talked about this in, in your chat a little bit, hmm. but Gautham, what do you think about the White Sox getting in on the Correa sweepstakes? Moving Timmy A over to second. Ooh, Correa be... plays short. Or can Moncada play second? Yes, he, he did he in 2018. Before, yeah. yeah, so Moncada to second, Correa or Tim Anderson to third, and then the other one at short. Yeah, I mean, I'm never going to say no to signing like a star-level player, but I don't see the White Sox doing that, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think if they made this miraculous uh, deal with Correa, it would be Correa at third, Tim at short, and then Yo-Yo at second. I think Tim is pretty comfortable and solidified himself at shorts. Um, that there's no way he's going to give that up, even if it might not be in his power and he's forced to go over to third. I just don't think you want to see Tim as a third baseman or Carlos Correa can play the hot corner. That's fair. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I, Correa would sign somewhere to play third base as well. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, if Trevor Story's coming out saying, I'm not going to move positions to play for a team, then yeah, Correa is definitely not. Dang it, Story. That was like... Plan C to get him to second base of what Merrifield fell through. No, you guys can't have him because he's going to take Paul DeYoung's place. You know, is it, you talk about the Colorado Rockies a lot. Is it fair to say they might be like the St. Louis Rockies now? (laughs) Yeah, so we take their good pieces and then Mm -hmm. we give them uh, guys like uh, Eluris Montero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Austin Gomber as the headliners for Nolan Arenado. So, and then they pay the Cardinals $50 yeah. million. Dollars. Yeah. 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 It, it works out for you. If anything, it's yeah. the Colorado Cardinals. They just, they're like your affiliate. They're part of your oh. farm system, if you will. So Coors Field is uh, Wrigley West, but then the team is uh, like Memphis Redbirds West. Yeah. So. Hmm. Good workout. So. Uh, another spot that I was kind of looking at, um, on the White Sox roster, where does Vaughn end up playing this year? And does he get like an everyday spot? Cause he, he was playing really well last year. If I remember right. Yeah, absolutely. Especially for his rookie season. Um, that's my biggest fear in a sense is that he and uh, Gavin Sheets are going to share the right field duties depending on who's the starting pitcher for the opponent. Obviously, Sheets being the lefty against righties, Vaughn the righty against starting pitchers who are lefties, and then Leary Garcia, of course, gets that second base. So there's definitely in-house solutions for those gaps. 
However, of course, Andrew Vaughn is a first baseman by trade. Jose Abreu, though, uh, being the iron workhorse that he is, is not going to give up his first base days except for the occasional rest day. And Andrew Vaughn, the great, fantastic prospect that he is, uh, does not deserve to be playing first base once a week, coming off the bench in at-bats. Uh, so that is a pretty good question. Of course, you do have the DH spot. You don't really want your younger players to fill that hole, though it's a possibility. Um, obviously, of course, he could fill in at left field. Obviously, he transitioned to right field when Aloy Jimenez came back, played left field during during uh, Aloy's absence. So if anything, you could see Andrew Vaughn covering both corners, uh, most likely left field. If Aloy Jimenez would agree to be a DH, but Aloy is very adamant about not being a designated hitter. So I, I really think overall they're just going to share those duties uh, between first base, left field, and then right field, whether it is Andrew Von Gavin Sheets or somebody we trade for like a Michael Conforto. Um, but that's a good question. I guess I will never argue or be upset about oh, we have too much talent, we can't start all of them, especially if we at least trade or acquire a free agent to fill in right field and or second base. Um, but it's an interesting question that they're going to have to figure out, and I do think more often than not, it's just going to be a rotation of who's playing DH and then who's playing one of the positions between first base, DH, and uh, the corner outfield spots. Yeah, Vaughn oh. got put in a really tough spot last mm -hmm. year. People kind of forget about that. The yeah. Guy skipped double A, triple A. Mm -hmm. He went away from... Uh, high A to the major leagues because of the pandemic. Um, they obviously threw him out there in left field. He had never played the outfield before. He kind of was getting his first taste of major league pitching while he was learning new position. Mm -hmm. And he really held his own. Yeah. So I see him having a good season, but mm -hmm. I think it's obviously contingent on him actually getting the everyday at bats, which I think they should be able to do through the um, platoons and moving the positions and things like that. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Consist consistency for anybody, but especially those younger players, is so key in their development and seeing are they truly able to perform at the major league level and then perform consistency consistently when they're given that consistency. Yeah, the, the one other uh, kind of uh, lynch, or linchpin or hinchpin, what what's that phrase? Is it linchpin? Know. I, think it's I don't know what the phrase you're going um, for is, yeah, but okay. Same. That's literally the phrase. <laughs> oh, I've never heard that. Okay, yeah. I've heard a linchpin. Yeah, okay. So the other linchpin in this plan, though, is I kind of think TLR likes Adam Engel in the outfield, though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, like, that puts a inferior bat in the lineup to play the field, mm -hmm. and so then it takes out Gavin Sheets or Andrew Vaughn. Yeah. So it's like that makes it even more difficult. But Yeah, Adam Adam Engel is an inter interesting case. Obviously, he had that really weird bat 180 degrees up in the air batting stance until eventually he fixed that in the later season. Um, in my opinion, Adam Engel is your Luis Robert needs a rest day, put Adam in center field. Or, of course, if you have Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets, um, in the corners, Adam Angle comes in late game to play late game defense, especially in a tight game. Um, but I agree with you. You don't really want to put his bat in the everyday starting lineup if you could avoid it. He did show um, some positive progress in his at-bats prior to getting injured twice in 2021. He had a very inconsistent 2021. Didn't play the full 2020, if I believe correctly. Um, but in the at-bats... And in the out in the games he was able to play, excuse me, um, his numbers, if I recall correctly, were decent before getting injured. And when he came back from injury and then got re-injured, there was just no helping his cause. So his question is just, can he be healthy? And then can he um, answer the call when he's called upon? Yeah, his uh, his numbers for last year in 140 plate appearances, he uh, slashed 252, 336, yeah. 496 with seven mm -hmm. home runs. So. And seven steals. I didn't realize mm -hmm. Engel was quick. Yeah, he'll come in as a pinch runner, pinch runner occasionally. Okay. Yeah, the White Sox have a... It's a really, really talented team. It's yeah. one of those that, like, you look at it on paper, and it's, like, the first 
two thirds of the lineup jumps out at you. It's like, mm-hmm. holy crap. And then the bottom part is a little bit less impressive. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, and, but then the depth really doesn't seem like it's too great either. Because, I mean, yeah. Danny Mendick, uh, Sebi Zavala, and Micah Rodolfo, mm-hmm. really none of those guys are elite players by any yeah. any means. So it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see what TLR does. But is this going to be TLR's last year? I thought last year was going to be his last year. So, yeah, I exactly. I thought 2011 was going to be his last year. Honestly, you were safe to think that because I did too. <laughs> he was not my choice for manager last year. I was on the AJ Hinch bus, and then he went to Detroit instead. So, um, yeah, we'll see. It was kind of one of those, or I guess kind of is still one of those things where I really want the White Sox, of course, to win the World Series, but I want them to win in spite of him. And I know many people aren't going to see yes. it that way, but like, you know, exactly. They're gonna, they're gonna Fans will know. Yeah, I was going to say, they literally can't win it because of him. Yeah, exactly. Especially when he had Liam Hendricks on second base in extra innings against the Reds because he wasn't aware of the extra innings rule. Like, that's your job to Wait, know. Wasn't, wasn't he one of the guys that helped create that rule when he was working for MLB? No, that was a pandemic rule, I think. Was it? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And then they kept in 2021 and now it's gone. Gotcha. <laughs> Thank God that's gone. That's, uh, that was, so, that was an awful rule. So one question about, um, Michael Kopech, you mentioned him earlier. He's going to be yeah. transitioning to the rotation. <laughs> um, how do you see that playing out? Cause he was great. Um, this past season when he made the spot starts and then out of the bullpen, he was very, very good. Yeah. Obviously incredibly talented. How is he going to do and what kind of workload can we expect from Kopech this year? Yeah, no, very good question. Um, Obviously, we saw his bullpen work, not just because he's a newer player, but because, of course, he was he was recovering and coming back from Tommy John surgery. Um, So I do believe his workload is going to be light, as most pitchers are in April, where they really only go five innings or what, anywhere between like. 80 95 pitches rarely uh getting to 100 in like the early early month or two um but i think he'll be there opening day in the starting rotation he'll be our fifth starter but the firepower that he has is incredible obviously we saw a couple of his starts two or three or in his third one i believe is when he injured himself in 2019 obviously opted out of the 20 or 2018 excuse me and then he opted out of the 20 20 season and then he missed 2019 because of the surgery i had to get my dates there for a second um i think the biggest thing for him is being able to strategize um how he pitches to batters the first time up the second time up the third time now obviously he knows how to do this he grew up as a starting pitcher if anything the fact that he excelled in the bullpen was pretty tremendous um given he had never done that before like most starters when they come into the majors Um, But because of that bullpen experience, he was able to show, of course, his fire hot stuff right away. Don't have to think about the the batter when they come up a second time. Don't have to strategize that strategize that. And I know he would mention that in his postgame conferences were conferences where it was a bit comforting to know, give it what you have. You're not going to see this guy again in this game. Um, So just to get back to his starting pitcher roots, um, Figuring out that game plan, that's where you rely on Yasmani Grandal behind the plate, who's going to help you work through that. Um, But uh, I'm really excited to see what he can possibly do, because if he can do it like we think he can do it, and he's going to be like our fifth starter, maybe even fourth if you want to already put him ahead of Dallas Keuchel, if you will. No offense, Dallas, but you know, you had had a rough last season. Um, I'm just excited. Obviously, his workload will be light, and it probably will be for a couple of months. Um, but I think it will pick up um, August, September as the White Sox make the postseason. That that actually brings up my uh, my next question here. Mm-hmm. Are the White Sox going to go out and potentially look at getting a back of the rotation starter to replace Keuchel here when the lockout ends? Because Keuchel has been pretty bad the last like year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. So... I wouldn't really trust him in there, but then again, I'm not a GM, so. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I um, I mean, that question kind of can combine with what we did with Carlos Rodon. We did not give him, we, the White Sox did not give him a qualifying offer, which I thought that was pretty wild because you would think if we had six starters um, that Keiko would get the boot, Rodon would be that solidified spot. Um, but I guess Keiko's going to try and get a redemption. Um, I hope it goes well, but I do agree. Um, if it doesn't, you're going to have to make a move uh, before the trade deadline. Well, here's the thing. Um, in my opinion, the White Sox are the clear favorite in the division. So they kind of are going to coast through this season. Yeah. And during the regular season, you need the five starters. So Keiko is going to give them the miles and then they, they'll just toss them aside in the playoffs. They just need their four guys. And yeah. they, they'll go from there. And- it's a valid point. Yeah, just to piggyback off of that for a second, that's where Garrett Crochet comes in, because Garrett Crochet is also somebody who's going to be a starter. He's just taking the Michael Kopech, the Chris Sale route Chris Sale, yeah. out of the bull yeah, out of the bullpen. Um obviously you're not gonna need five starters in the postseason, but if for some freak you do or you need somebody to split a game in the postseason, that's where Crochet is probably gonna overpower uh Keichel and earn that roster spot I mean if you remember Keichel was not on the postseason roster um for the 2021 playoffs and I know he said that that left like a bitter taste in his mouth and and he he knew it he he agreed with the decision um but if that happens back-to-back years he might even think about retiring from baseball possibly because I don't think somebody um who has accomplished so much that he has um will want to be put on like a rebuilding team in a starting position yeah so is is crochet then the the rotation depth piece at that point? If someone goes down, crochet is going to be the guy that gets the the spot starts. Yeah, and... I would think so. At least for right now, though, I'm not going to make any more pitching moves. Okay, that makes sense. So, Gotham, you got any final questions? We're coming got, right up here. Yeah, on one more question about Craig Kimbrell. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of discussion about him getting traded this offseason, mm-hmm. so he can go back to his closer role, I guess. They signed Kendall Graveman, so they've got kind of that setup man for Hendricks. Hendricks is an awesome guy to yeah. watch. And seems like uh, Kimbrell is sort of redundant in this bullpen, so mm-hmm. I could see him getting moved. Yeah, and that's where, you know, trade potential comes in. You know, maybe, maybe it'd be um, a repeat of the 2021 trade, but in reverse, like, hey, guys. Can we get Nick Madrigal back? Y'all want Kimbrel? I doubt that happens. Um, but yes, I I would be surprised if he remains a member of the White Sox uh, past the trade deadline. However, um, if he finds himself doing well and you have Graveman, uh, Kimbrel, and Hendricks to lock it down and then Aaron Bummer being the lefty if he needs to in either the seventh or eighth inning, um, it is possible he, sa- he stays. But you're right, it is a little bit of a redundancy. But... Um, the pitching led us to our downfall um, in the postseason. Obviously, a lot to blame on the starters barely getting out of the first couple of innings without giving up any runs and then, of course, getting booted out of the game entirely. In my opinion, it's never a bad thing to have too much bullpen help, but that does become a pretty interesting and valuable trade piece, especially if he's not going to get the ninth inning and you're not going to move Hendricks, which you'd think would be the logical decision. Like we said earlier, Hendricks is fired up no matter when he's pitching. Kimbrell seems to have it, the ninth inning closer mindset. And if you have that opportunity to pitch Kimbrell ninth and Liam Hendricks is going to get the job done no matter what, you would think you would put that in your game plan if you were Tony La Russa. Yeah, especially since it seems like Kimbrell just doesn't lock in in yeah. anything but the ninth. Mm-hmm. Like, because he was dominant with the Cubs when they mm-hmm. were putting him in in the ninth yeah. inning. And then all of a sudden he was the eighth inning guy and just looked awful Yeah, the like entire you, time with the White Sox. You want to play to your player strengths. Like, yes, these are professional baseball players. They should be able to get the job done um, no matter and however they're called to do it. But if you can play to your strengths and you have a way to do that because Liam Hendricks is such an animal, I, I don't understand why that was never really um, used last year, last season. Yeah. I think uh, Kimbrell being bad for the White Sox was a little bit fluky. But mm-hmm. one thing I'll point out about him is that he's one of the rare guys that has been a closer basically his entire career yeah. since he started with the Braves. He was. He was basically a closer from like his first season, from mm-hmm. first full season. And he's been doing it for 10 plus years now. 
yeah. you get used to the routine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so we are sitting right at an hour, and I know Ashley that you have classes and stuff tomorrow, so I don't want to keep you too long. Oh, um, good. So it goes by fast. It really does. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I wanted to give you an opportunity if you had anything that you wanted to kind of uh, plug or talk about here, um, just give you a, a minute or two to just kind of run wild with it. Well, yeah, I I appreciate it. Well, first, I want to thank you both for having me on. I I really enjoyed this evening and getting that first original message asking me to be on. So the thanks, first and foremost, go out to both of you. So thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a fantastic conversation. Um, As for myself, if anybody listening is intrigued, um, if they don't know me, uh, once again, I'm Ashley Sanders. I stream on Twitch at Ashley underscore Sanders. Uh, Same name for the YouTube channel. Uh, Twitter is Ashley 22 Sanders, same as the TikTok. Uh, Then Instagram gets a little bit funky where it's Ashley underscore 22 underscore Sanders. Um, There's an Ashley 22 Sanders and an Ashley underscore Sanders taken on Instagram. And both of them don't have active accounts. I'm like, Instagram, help a girl out. Um, but of course that's where you can find me. And then if you want to join the discord, uh, you can find that, uh, in the Twitch chat where we play MLB the show on the daily and have a lot of great conversation about baseball, about sports and about life in general. And if you don't like baseball, you can still find a place there. Uh, the goal is always to be a safe and inclusive community. Perfect. Thank you. And then, um, you'll be writing for Southside Sox again this year, right? Yes, absolutely. How did I not mention that? But yes, um, you can find my work at Southside Sox. Obviously, um, it's geared toward the White Sox, but if you're a fan of baseball in general or have maybe favorite players on the team, we're always going to cover them. Um, I My duty mostly is, of course, editing uh, my colleagues' articles, but uh, I take a lot of responsibility in the game threads and game recaps as long alongside all of the uh, statistical um articles as well we like to have like a six pack of stats if you will though the name is now a little misleading because we keep adding stats to it um every year for the growing analytical side of baseball which is really exciting and it's cool to talk about and discuss i do enjoy that aspect of baseball we'll just get to 30 and just call it 30 racket stats hey i'm gonna go write that down (laughs) (laughs) like i like i always say my ideas are all free unless they'll make (laughs) me like millions of dollars in which case just float me a couple hundred here and there. We got you. We got um, you. But yeah, so uh, thank you everybody for uh, tuning in. Uh, this has been a great episode. Thank you so much, Ashley, for joining us. Uh, it's My been pleasure. a great conversation. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please uh, go subscribe to our Twitch uh, or on your favorite podcasting app uh, from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all the way over to Breaker, Anchor, Pocket Casts. If you find podcasts there, we're on it. Um, you can find our, uh, Twitter and Facebook pages at getaway day pod, uh, and the discord, I'll put it here in the Twitch chat again. Um, I am, uh, setting up that discord server, trying to get our community, uh, chatting a little bit more. So let us know, uh, if you had any, uh, comments on anything we've talked about in this episode or any others. So thank you very much and have a great night.